Joseph's to the 
ready for Advent. It's not quite yet Advent this season. Am I on? Here we go. But it is getting close, closer to us, and we're reminded of why we need it, aren't we? The conflict in our world today, uh, the conflict perhaps in our own lives that you may be experiencing uh, to bring us peace. We'll talk a little more about peace this morning and the weeks to come, but we are in still, still yet even today, in need of a Messiah and a Savior. I'm glad that God still is providing and still meeting our needs and still all that we might need. So as we gather before him in prayer this morning, perhaps there's a conflict in your life. There's a source of tension that you're experiencing, a lack of peace that you're struggling with. You've come to the right place. He's the one who can ultimately help us find that which we're lacking, to take away those things in our life that are battling with one another and take away those things that separate us most of all from him. As we pray today, might we be open to all that the Spirit reveals to us? We might need to release to Him, let Him have control of, and to begin this season, or getting ready for this season in, in, in the right way, and, and surrendering all to Him, and giving Him access in every part of our lives, even those parts that maybe we don't think people know about, that God does, to help us come to experience true peace during this season that we are blessed to be in even right now. Let's pray together. Father, the, the, the last verse of that song it just speaks to me. Not much changes, God. <laughs> Seasons might change or, or, or the backdrop might change. Cultures might change. But at, at the heart of things, we're still people. And, and people do what people have always done. We find ourselves immersed in, in quarrels and, and disagreements speaks of the desires of men. It speaks, Lord, of, of conflict, of separation. Lord, the lyrics of that song speak to our need for you. And Lord, the good news that we can grab hold of this morning is that Jesus came. Emmanuel, God with us. We don't have to be afraid. Over these next several weeks together, we're going to talk about fear and how you step into our, our deepest, darkest, hardest to overcome fears. Those things in our life that rob us of peace, that, that open doorways for, for separation. You command us in your word to fear not. You invite us, Father, to let go of those things that we're afraid of trust you because you're one who can be trusted you're a God who keeps his promises you show up you hear us Lord you care and you love us beyond what words can describe Lord we thank you for that today as we begin to prepare to, to get our hearts ready to wrap our minds around this idea that you loved us so much that you sent your one and only son on our behalf, for us, God, I pray that we wouldn't get distracted by the things that culture have, has turned this season into. But maybe, Lord, we've been guilty of making it into in the past. We, we pray this prayer every year, and I think it's still appropriate because we want to continue to grow, to grow deeper, to, to Lord, not get uh, off track, uh, not, not to allow ourselves to be overwhelmed by this, the, the opportunities that the season presents. 
the same time, Lord, not to lose sight of really what it's all about. This beautiful gift. This fulfilled coming, Lord, of this promised Messiah. We read about for thousands of years through your word. Just 2,000 years ago came true the birth of your son. In him, Lord, we find hope for those who need a physical touch today. For those, Lord, who have received a diagnosis from a doctor or for those, Lord, whose the medicine or the treatment's not quite working the way that we would like it to. Lord, those who just need to be encouraged or lifted up today, Lord, we, we find hope in the great physician, Jesus. We find comfort, Lord, for those that are grieving, for those who are heavy-hearted, for those, Lord, who this season is a difficult time because of who's not with us. Lord, Lord, you're, you're the answer even to that. You're the answer, God, to broken relationships, those things that we tend to get in the way of uh, through our own selfishness or through our, our own ignorance, Lord, and uh, just the, the paths that we might choose and the problems, Lord, that we create. You're, you're the answer for that as well. All found the birth of a baby. Lord, I pray as we start to get ready it would begin by us examining maybe ourselves. We know, Lord, you've done. They're going to continue to do your part. And God, I pray this morning we would do our part. We rend our hearts before you. We open up our lives to you, Lord. We give you access to every nook and cranny. And ask, Lord, you would reveal to us why we might need to surrender and change. Come, Emmanuel. We need you. Be with us as we open your word. Teach us something new. Change us, God, I pray, for having been in your house today. In Jesus' name we ask these things. We hope you had a great weekend with family and loved ones or with friends, and we're so glad you've chosen to join with us today as we've gathered together to worship. Uh, we got to be with most of our kids, all but one, and Hopefully she wants some time with her here in the weeks ahead. Uh, boy, when, when your kids grow up, uh, it's, it's hard to get them all under one roof. And we, we take advantage of those times when we are able to be together. I uh, got to spend some time with, with my son this week. We went to the movies, and uh, I have to admit, I'm, I'm still struggling after that experience. Uh, I paid for the movie and bought our tickets, and I think, well, that, that's really less money than I expected the tickets to cost. And he bought the popcorn and the drinks. We went in, and then I realized why my ticket didn't cost as much as I thought it would. They gave me the senior discount, <laughs> and I didn't even ask for it. I'm not doing too well. <laughs> my family got a big kick out of that. I don't think it's very funny. <laughs> So hopefully God will help me through that. But um, I guess if it saves me a few bucks here and there, maybe I'll grow to like it. Um, but not yet. <laughs> so, um, kind of an odd weekend, isn't it? Uh, we normally come out of Thanksgiving and we just jump right into Advent. Uh, but this particular year, uh, we, we've got a week in between. And 
I often wondered as a pastor, I always kind of wanted that. It kind of have that week in between, that week to transition, if you will, from this, this season of where we in our culture give thanks for all that God has blessed us with, and then, and then, and then have a time to just kind of slowly ease into to Advent. And now that I find myself in the midst of it, I, I feel kind of lost because it, it's, it's time to kind of jump in. And uh, maybe you've got your trees up. I've, I've talked about how my neighbors got their decorations full blast right now. And uh, our tree is, is up, but it, just because it was standing in the garage, we had to get it out of the garage. It's not yet decorated, but we'll, we'll get there eventually. Uh, but now it's kind of the time to kind of jump in with both feet and, and to get engaged with this season. Uh, but yet I'm, I'm trying to be cautious and not get too far ahead of myself because I, I tend to do that. And then before I know it, the season becomes something that was never meant to be. And I find myself overwhelmed. And, and I don't want that this year. So this week in between, while it feels different for me, I've also noticed that it's a little bit different in, in our culture. The stores, at least where we were, didn't seem to be as crowded. Uh, the sales, they're not new. They've been going on for weeks, actually. This doesn't seem to have the same hullabaloo, um, except although yesterday Elf was on for 24 hours, so if you're watching TV, you get to see Elf, and maybe that's kind of the, the new indicator that the season now is in full, full speed ahead. Um, there's just different things that are happening at different times, and it just feels a little bit off. But, but the off can be a good thing, and, and it allows us just a chance to exhale a little bit and to prepare. I'm not sure I like the waiting, but what I'm reminded of is in Scripture, God seems to weave a lot of waiting into our lives and into his word. Throughout his word, he lays out the story of redemption uh, that finds fulfillment ultimately in, in the person and, and the work of Jesus Christ. And, and in our worship today, you saw that reflected while we're trying to get ready for, to celebrate the, the, this coming of Emmanuel. At the same time, we recognize his role and the importance in the story of redemption. We, we talk about the empty tomb in context with uh, this idea of, of Christmas because the, the two go together and they're interwoven. And it's important that we make sure that we keep the two thoughts parallel to one another. Jesus is the fulfillment of all that we see in God's word from the beginning through the end. And today as a prelude to Advent, uh, we're, we're going to begin a season of preparation uh, by, by turning our hearts backwards a little bit, looking at what God has told us in the Old Testament to grow our understanding of his promises that have been fulfilled by Jesus Christ in the new. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 27, Paul writes, but God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. It's a curious verse that, that Paul shares, but what he's trying to get us to understand is that, that God's plans are often beyond our comprehension. That God doesn't do things the way that we would do them. And in his word, he, he tells us that he chooses to work in ways that the world does not or would never expect or even possibly understand. God's plan. So important. I have to admit, I'm often guilty of, of, of making plans and going, taking them before God and asking him to bless my plans. Lord, Lord, bless the things that I've come up with in my mind. I figured out what's best. I figured out how you can use me best. I figured out what, how my life should look, Lord. Would you just bless my plans? But yet, I've come to understand through experiences and through comprehension and even the, the culture around me reminds me consistently that I don't know what's best. 
that surrender is always the best option. Yet there's always a pull on us, always something tugging on us. Just do things the way that everybody else does them. Then we'll be happy. Then we'll be content. Then we'll be fulfilled. Yet I think many of us have stories and testimonies of how fruitless that is, how such endeavors ultimately end up in the same place, leaving us lacking, wanting, longing for more. See, God tends to do things differently than we would or often do. In Scripture, we see this time and time again as mankind continues to pursue their own way. God has to show up and redeem them, kind of pull them out of the muck, kind of make sense of the, of get them out of the mess in which they put themselves in. And we see God show up in the midst of these moments. Often um, we see that the Lord shows up, or we often see angelic appearances. But over these next several weeks together during our Advent season, we're going to be using these angelic appearances uh, from the Old Testament into the New, uh, for, from Abraham to Daniel, and, and all the way in, into Mary and Joseph and the shepherds, and talk about how these angelic times, when, when they show up as God's messengers, God's trying to get us to understand there's something wrong. For the angel to come, for God to show up, for God to speak into our lives, means that we're typically not where we should be. We might find ourselves lost, we're in the midst of conflict, in the midst of a quarrel, Maybe it's not a hand-to-hand quarrel, but it's some sort of conflict in our lives that God has to step into and fix. That's where the word peace comes from. Peace means to literally, the the translation of peace speaks to this lack of conflict, lack of a quarrel, lack of of dissension. And while that can represent many aspects of our lives, it doesn't always represent the one that we might think of most often. It's not about physical fighting, but when God shows up, more often than not, it's in regards to a spiritual battle, spiritual conflict. All the way back to the book of Genesis. And, and we, we see uh, these angelic appearances begin in Genesis 16, 19, and 21, where the angel shows up to Hagar and Ishmael. And he's, we hear the words from the angel for the first time, Fear not, for I'm with you. We see it in Genesis 31 and 32. Uh, where God again shows up and begins to guide Abraham along the, the path that he would have for him. And God begins, again, continues this idea of, of fear not. In 1 Kings chapter 19, when Elijah is on the run for his life, so he thinks God shows up through the form of an angel, and the angel ministers to Elijah, and he so tells Elijah to take a nap. Anybody need a nap this week? Been busy. God says, take a nap, have a snack, it's okay. In Daniel chapter 3, we, we see God show up in the fiery furnace with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Daniel chapter 6, the angel shows up in the den with Daniel in the lion's den. God tends to show up in the midst of a conflict, in the midst of something that's going on, in the midst of an emotional battle that's occurring. He wants us not to fear in those moments, but to trust him, and to recognize that he's our source of peace in the midst of a battle. We go back even further, Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3, we, we know what's happened. We, we've seen the fall of man. We see Adam and Eve. They've been tempted. Uh, they've given in uh, to, to, the, to Satan's temptation. They've fallen. And God kind of encounters them and says, hey, guys, where are you at? And, of course, we know in Scripture they're hiding because they know that they've sinned. Now, all of a sudden, their, their nakedness has been revealed. And they've come face to face with God after their disobedience. God, of course, is not happy. He knows what's going on. And he responds to Adam and Eve in verse 15 as he's talking to the serpent. He says, because you've done this, cursed are you 
We see in verse 15, it says, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head, and you will strike his heel. Here we see the first prophecy, if you will, in the Old Testament of the forecoming of Jesus Christ, Messiah. Enmity means one who will stand between. So what God is saying is, I will put, I will put something between you and my creation that, that's going to help provide salvation for them. Right now, you have access to them, but in time, when, 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 when this enmity shows up, he's going to stand in the way, and you're not going to be able to get to my creation any longer. And that enmity comes and is fulfilled through the birth of Jesus Christ. This first prophecy we see lends itself, points the way to Jesus. The offspring of a woman who would eventually crush Satan. I, I love the song. My kids love the song. Um, you know, if I had a little white box, put my Jesus in, take him out and, and share him with a friend. I've sung this for you before. I'm not going to do it again. But I love the second part. If I had a little black box, I'd put the devil in. I'd take him out and smash his face. And put him back again. I don't get to do that, but Jesus did. Jesus did that to Satan when the, when the tomb was empty on the third day. All the things that God foretold came true. The enmity came so that we could have hope. So that we could have something to look forward to. So that we wouldn't have to give in to the hopelessness that life apart from Christ often or always leads to. We see this foretelling in the Old Testament. And, and we, we see in the Old Testament, uh, there's going to be three specific uh, prophecies we're going to talk about today. And we're going to see how God is at work, has always been at work, in our lives, fulfill his plans and his purposes. Genesis chapter 49, verses 8 through 12. Uh, we, we see this account where, where Jacob, I talked about Jacob back in September where Jacob, at the end of his life, begins to speak a word of prophecy over each of his sons. And he gets to Judah. And you might remember Judah. Judah was Leah's fourth son. And Leah had this tendency of naming her sons after the feelings, the emotions she was having in that moment. And which is really curious, we didn't talk about this in September, but the naming of children typically fell to the father's responsibility. But what we see in Leah's life, and Jacob was so disconnected with Leah that Leah named her sons. And Jacob didn't, didn't appear to, to object. So here's Leah naming her fourth son Judah, which literally means praise. Coming from the Hebrew Yahuda, probably meaning to be praised, or for, from the word yada, meaning to throw or cast our praise, open-handed, arms raised. Judah means open-handed, nothing held back, yada. You've perhaps seen the T-Mobile commercial in recent days where it talks about yada, yada, nada, 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 yada, yada. I don't know what that. You go watch the commercial to figure it out. But, but this is where it's coming from. To know someone so intimately that, that you just fill in the blanks with this word praise from the yada. Judah's name is, is originated. And Jacob promises Judah in this word of prophecy in Genesis chapter 49 that, that out of you, Judah, Jesus would ultimately descend. The, the, the scepter the, the would not depart from, from you, Judah. Jacob calls Judah the lion's cub. Scripture would go on into the New Testament in Revelation chapter 5 to call Judah, or call Jesus the lion from the tribe of Judah. So we see this prophecy that Jacob shares with his son in Genesis 49 come true in the New Testament through the birth of Jesus. See, God doesn't often do things that way, the way we would do them. 
but his way is always better. We read in Micah chapter 5, verses 2 through 5, Micah the prophet writes, But you, Bethlehem, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times. Therefore Israel will be abandoned until the time when she who is in labor bears a son, and the rest of his brothers return to the Israelites. He will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. They will live securely, for then his greatness will reach the ends of the earth, and he will be our peace. Right there in the middle of this passage, we see this foretelling of this time of, of, of waiting. It was a long time of waiting. Sometimes we think we have to wait a long time. Israel would wait 400 years to see the fulfillment of the prophecies of the coming Messiah from, from, from the moment that we see uh, Micah and Malachi share in the Old Testament. Though you, Bethlehem, are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come one. And it says you, you'll be abandoned until the time when he or she is in labor bears a son. You're, you're going to be abandoned. There's going to be a season of silence as you wait. Oh, but the waiting will be so worth it. Because in the end, in verse 5, says, He will be our peace. Peace. In our world today, it's, 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 it's so very appropriate. Uh, we, we see an uprising. We see an escalation. We're seeing more acts of violence, even in our culture today. Uh, we, we tend to think of it as something that happens over there, wherever there might be, but just not here. But we're seeing it occur more and more here. And as a father, it's getting to be a little more anxious for, for Amy and I, as our son here in just a matter of weeks, will be deployed over there. And it makes us nervous, anxious, makes us worry. I'm longing for peace or for, for more reasons than one. See, it creates fear in us. Fear, by definition, is an unpleasant and often strong emotion caused by anticipation or the awareness of danger, of something dangerous going on around us. The physical danger, those are easy things for us to pick up on, easy for us to identify. It's the more subtle ones that could be difficult, the emotional danger, the spiritual danger that we might find ourselves in without even recognizing it. We're going to dig deeper into this, this idea of fear in the next several weeks. But ultimately, fear uh, speaks to the lack of peace. And peace meaning the absence of conflict or hostilities of division. Angels tend to show up in, in God's word in the midst of conflict. Sometimes they're of physical nature. But most often, the angel shows up in the midst of spiritual battles. And that's where we're going to focus the, these next several weeks together, is the spiritual struggles that we might be facing. The source of our fears that which Jesus comes and brings us peace. I find it curious each time in Scripture when an angel shows up, we typically see the phrase in some form or another, fear not, uh, quickly shared after the angel showing up. Now, there's two possible reasons. Obviously, the first being that the appearance of an angel uh, could be something that would cause a great fear within us. So God wants to make sure the message is heard. So he tells us not to fear and in the midst of the angel showing up to share with us the word that he has. But I wonder if we dig a little bit deeper, if the second reason might become something that we would uh, be able to see if we would just pause long enough to think about it. The fact that the angel has to show up 
fact that the angel speaks to fear might be an indicator for us that there's something in our life that's creating a lack of peace. What right now are you dealing with causing a lack of peace in your life? What might you be struggling with? What is it that's maybe causing dissension between you and a loved one, a friend, a spouse, a sibling, a child? What is it in your life that perhaps might be causing division between you and God? That lack of peace that you're experiencing? The answers from the angels are still the answers for us today. We don't need to fear. We just need to surrender, to trust and submit. Isaiah chapter 9, uh, we'll spend more time with Isaiah through this next month together, but in Isaiah chapter 9, uh, we see God uh, give a glimpse of the coming Messiah to the prophet. Uh, the one promised in Genesis chapter 3, uh, and again promised to Abraham, we see in Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 through 7, and it's for a passage so very familiar for us and so very appropriate during the season we find ourselves entering, when Isaiah writes, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, the government will be on his shoulders, and he'll be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He'll reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and with righteousness from that time on and forever. Meaning there's, there's no time limit. It's not seasonal. It's not something we have to put away when we pack up the Christmas decorations. It's a peace that sticks with us. And the zeal of the Lord will accomplish this. Meaning God's going to see it through. It's not just something that we get to hold on to once, once a year. It's something that stays with us always. Peace. He's the prince of peace. In him, we will experience a peace that has no end. There's going to be this lack of conflict. Why? Because God knows what he's doing. And we follow and do things his way then he helps us overcome those problems that we allow in for our own choices, for our own selfishness, for our own desires. This peace that's lacking. When we take time to chew on it, we realize how deeply it does impact us. The very core of our beings, if you will, the depths of our souls, what is it that's causing peace? to be strained or to be difficult to grab hold of. Whenever we find the base or the room or the opportunity to identify what's causing the lack of peace, now we know what it is we might need to look for to overcome our fears, find help, and to find healing that God promises to us. That hope and healing is always found in the form of the Messiah. See, God becomes uh, for us, uh, the, the very answer to the things that we're longing for because he understands us. He understands us because we came in the form of a man and he walked on this earth. He gets us. He gets us because he created us. He, he knows us deeply, intimately. He understands our pain and our struggles. He understands when, when life doesn't quite go the way we would like it to. He, he's able to connect dots in ways that we can't. We see in Psalm chapter 22, verse 1, uh, where, where David writes, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Does that sound familiar? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from my cries of anguish? You ever prayed a prayer like that? You ever found yourself in such conflict 
such a place where, where peace is so lacking and seems so far away that we cry out those very words, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Where are you, God? Why aren't you listening? Why aren't you answering? Why aren't you doing something? Really what we're trying to say in that moment is why aren't you doing what I think you should be doing because I've got these plans and life's just not working out the way that I wanted it to. See, God understands because it'll be centuries later in Mark chapter 15 where Jesus himself on the cross, would cry out three o'clock in the afternoon, Eloi, Eloi, Lema, Nabuchthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? See, Christmas is a time of great joy, but it can also be a time when worries and the sufferings of our lives can overtake us. Were those things that maybe we were able to adequately kind of get through or muddle through or deal with, kind of catch up to us. There's something about recognizing the coming Messiah that they just bring these unanswered, these unfulfilled dreams and plans to the surface. We begin to find ourselves battling, having a new conflict within us. Which is why it's so important for us to remember that and in the broad scope of God's eternal story from cover to cover, uh, we have to understand that God's up to something. Sometimes it requires seasons of waiting. But in the waiting, we're able to look beyond uh, the, 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 the immediacy of our struggle, the immediacy of our fears, the immediacy of our lack of peace, and then we're able to see ultimately where our hope comes from. Jesus. Jesus came, Emmanuel, God with us. But let's not lose sight of why he came, well, that's important, but how he came. As a child, to Mary in a manger, to Joseph, a carpenter, in a way that this world was not expecting or even looking. Everybody missed it except the shepherds who had to be told that it was happening. And we'll, we'll dig into their fears here in the coming weeks. Uh, but even those, when, when Jesus started to teach and to show who, the world who he really was, people still missed it. Even those who were learned and, and who, were, who were trained to look for such things, they missed it. Why? Because of how he came. Because of why he actually did come. See, Jesus' life uh, was one of a servant. He, he came and he suffered. That's not what a Messiah would do. Even marching into Jerusalem on the back of a, of a donkey or the foal of a donkey, that's not how a king would show up. He was doing things all wrong. He wasn't doing things the way that we expected. He ended up going to a cross. It was part of his plan. That, that doesn't make any sense. And even the way that he came to bring peace tend to cause even a greater lack of peace for those who are looking in the wrong direction. He came, suffered, and died for our sins. Well, of course, we know that the good news is that he rose again. And the fact that he overcame death allows us the opportunity to be forgiven of our sins. And that's the ultimate conflict that needs to be addressed in our life. That's the biggest lack of peace that we need to make sure that we're addressing. And that's the biggest gift that he offers to us eternal life through Jesus, Son of God, who came as a baby. While we celebrate 
the gift of the child, let's not stop there. That's just the beginning. And we're reminded today that while our Messiah has come and we find peace in him and we don't have to fear that God keeps his promises, the fulfilled promises that Jesus was the enmity, the one who stood between, the one who with his foot smashed Satan, overcame death, that we might have life. When we read the words, fear not in Scripture, they take on perhaps new meaning for us. That doesn't mean our problems all go away or the answers them as quickly as we would like or, or, or things go back to the way that we would like them to be quickly. Sometimes it takes seasons of waiting. So in this extra week of waiting, perhaps there's some things that we might need to surrender to him. Some things we might need to do to, to let go and to give him space to move. Perhaps for us to get past the things that we fear, we first have to acknowledge where the conflict or the source of conflicts are in our lives. So these next several weeks together, we're going to get a little more personal. Talk about some specific fears. How through Jesus Christ, we don't have to fear any longer. Peace has come. For those who will seek it, those who will grab hold of it. In him, we can find peace. We do not need to fear. God keeps his promises, and I believe angels are still appearing. And maybe today or this week, you could be someone's angel. As you prepare, or we prepare our hearts for the season ahead, help us to remember to look backwards, the promises of old, where we find hope that we need. I just read earlier out of Psalm 22, verse 1, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? If you keep reading through Psalm 22, you find yourself at a place where we see the good news at the end. Verses 28 through 31 say this. For dominion belongs to the Lord. He rules over the nations. All the rich of the earth will feast and worship. All who go down to the dust will kneel before him. Those who cannot keep themselves alive, posterity will serve him. Future generations will be told about the Lord. They will proclaim his righteousness, declaring to a people yet unborn, he has done it. We are among those that were yet unborn when the psalm was written. The truth written at the end is still true for us today. He has done it. He's brought us the hope that we need. He offers to us peace. But we get there, not by the ways of this world, but by following the path that God shows us. Not by doing what the world does, but by embracing instead what God offers to us. It's a different way. It might seem a little out of order, a little out of touch, but it's still the best way. I've tried many other ways in my life, as I'm sure many of you have as well. And they all leave me in the same place, fearing, lacking peace, longing for something more. But when I pursue the way or follow the path that God has for me, then all of a sudden, things start to make a little more sense. And even when they don't make sense, I can live with the peace that I find in Him. See, understanding sometimes we're looking for that as if that's going to make everything all right yet sometimes faith in the midst of this lack of understanding is even more a beautiful thing to grab hold of our messiah has come we still hear the call of the angel fear not 
peace is still available for those who will seek it. Oh, you, Bethlehem, though you are small, out of you will come one who will be ruler of Israel. Let's not look down on small beginnings. Find that told it to us in the book of Proverbs. Peace is offered to us. As we begin, or continue to get ready to prepare, I pray that we'll grab hold of the peace that's still available to each one of us. Whatever might be weighing you down, whatever conflict you might be carrying or dealing with, peace is the answer for that. Some way, perhaps in every way, we'll just let go, let him have control. I invite you to stand with me. Simple stuff. Whether we choose what we choose to do with it that makes a difference. And I pray today if you're if you're battling, and I'm not talking about you're still battling from how much you ate over the weekend, but, but, but you're battling with those emotions that the season tends to bring or reveal. But you'll know that peace is available. We don't find it facing doing things the way the world does. We find it by pursuing him. Father, I thank you that we don't have to fear. I thank you, God, that we don't have to live life in the midst of conflict or quarrel. Lord, you offer us peace. Lord, we can, when we we follow after you, when we follow in your footsteps, we can live a life of peace. Even when everything around us seems to be falling apart, you're the glue that holds us together. There's a lot going to be vying for our attention in the coming weeks. Pray, Lord, we wouldn't get distracted. Don't take our eyes off what's really important. We'll continue to focus on you. I pray, Lord, that we'll look at the promises that we see in the Old Testament and recognize how real they are still for us even yet today. And by looking backwards, Lord, we could find the strength and the courage and the hope and the peace we need to look forward. If not for us today, God, who might we be sharing life with right now whose life lacks peace, who's in need of being reminded of who you are, who needs to know, Lord, that you're a God who keeps his promises? If we don't need to hear this, then who might be in our lives who does? Would we be willing to share, to come beside, to walk with, to hold up, to be that angel they might need. I pray, God, we leave our fears here. In you, Lord, you take care of them. You're the answer to all of them. And God, I thank you for being our Prince of Peace. Come, come Emmanuel. Thank you, God, for being with us still yet today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Go, take his peace with you. Share with someone else who needs it. God bless you. Great afternoon.